0: Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast,
1: where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating.
0: The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more.
1: By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones,
0: and in the language we speak. And <laughs> Yes, know we say like a lot. It's kind of the point, because <laughs> politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Crawling of the podcast. Fresh interview episode for everybody. We teased it yesterday on our top stories, and we were just raving about this interview that's coming up for you all today because it's fun, it's informative, and it's inspiring, which really should just be the three words that describe this show as a whole. But here we are.
1: I was going to say, like, what is this, our new slogan? It just might be. Yeah. It just might be. It's a little, look, it's good. It's it's on point. It's a little long, probably for us, but it does fun. It's it's informative. It's
0: inspiring. Well, speaking of top stories, too, little Mm -hmm. shout out. We talked about obviously the big bank banks collapsing and what that all means, and Biden's response to it. We talk about the Willow Oil Project, which is another big story. And we also talk about the Senate a little bit from Senate absences to also the stuff they're working on this week. And there is also just I was thinking about what, you know, we go over today. Mm-hmm. The other thing we talked about yesterday was homegirl millennial grandma. Mm, the millennial grandma. I wonder who which political which political figure elected
1: official is now a millennial grandma. You're going to have to listen You're going to have have to to tune in.
0: It's like right in the beginning too. So we'll just hook you in with that and then you can go listen to the rest of the stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So go tune in if you haven't listened yet. But some things today, I was like thinking about what we could talk about. And I was like, I always like wanted to do this little segment where it's like a comparison of like what's on Fox versus like what's on CNN. Okay. For the day. And so... While doing that research, I just found two interesting stories. What I found first on CNN is, I don't know if you saw this, but George Santos has officially filed his paperwork for 2024, which is, I guess, our election update of the week.
1: I just, well, I look, I kind of thought that this was coming at some point because I remember this was like a few weeks ago. They were talking about how he still had campaign cash and how he was going to have to like not even like file it, but how he was going to have to declare it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, hmm, that is like, first of all, interesting that his campaign landed in the green post, like a lot of them land in the red on both sides of the aisle and have to raise more money after either being elected or losing to cover that. We actually have like a little story about that in the GovHub newsletter. So go check your inboxes. make sure you. Yeah. it's Yeah. The story,
0: that's Uh, what is what you're saying. So it says the formal declaration does not mean that the embattled congressman has to pursue re-election. his action follows a demand last month from the fec that he declared his intentions after the long island republican crossed a fundraising threshold that required him to file a statement of candidacy so i would just like to say the audacity
1: the audacity i mean there's the audacity of the fact that he ran in the first place every scam he's ever done it's individually on that level is a how on god's earth of delusion, but like those didn't; those past scandals individually were not on this like national news scale of absurdity. And this, just yeah, wow. Well, I hope I that mean... is a slam dunk for Dems. If if we as Democrats do not beat George Santos <laughs> on his Literally. re-election bed. Throw
0: my, throw my hair tie in the air. But that's the one I found CNN first. So I, the one I found across the across the page of Fox News was that Biden is to sign an executive order to require background checks on more gun sales today, which is news to me. News and to me as well. exciting news at that. And I was like, was this just like Fox News, just like spewing some shit? Because the headline on the like homepage was... Biden to sign executive action to make it harder, harder for Americans to access guns, of course. But then it's on AP, it's on everything else. So I guess today, Joe Biden is signing an executive order to increase the number of background checks to buy guns, promote more secure firearm storage, and ensure U.S. law enforcement agencies are getting the most out of a bipartisan gun control law enacted last summer.
1: Wow. That is definitely news to me. and know it is so interesting- about us not knowing about that because is been I have st- been
0: screaming to for him to sign the executive order about that. Literally
1: screaming. Maybe they they finally heard you.
0: They really are listening to us. I swear to God.
1: First, it's the RNC and mm-hmm. them with their informants. Yep. Now it's actually our intended audience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wild how these things evolve. But I will say this: it's interesting. I neither of us received a single news notification on our notifications, oh my God, I can't even speak, on our phones. Like I woke up to, as per usual, like a million news notifications,
0: not a single one about this. No, that's what I'm so confused about too, because it's saying he will sign. So I think it's like in on his schedule today and everyone's going to be listening to this like a day ahead and being like, yeah, he signed it or whatever. Right. But on AP, they wrote the language in the actual article that he signed an executive order on Tuesday. So maybe this is just in... And preparation that it's about to be signed, and that they're just making but still, the like, that way. But
1: I feel like there's been no, unless like I don't know, like living under I I can't say we're like living under that big of a rock. Like yeah, really well maybe it's just seen... about to be
0: blasted once he's signed, or they have like an announcement time. Like it's, maybe it's I that... just so
1: odd that there wouldn't be ramp up, there wouldn't be yeah any free release about this happening. Given especially no, it's actually doubly weird about this.
0: Or weird.
1: I'd, something is, okay, so yesterday we had the Biden administration approve the Willow Project, which is an environmental mm. disaster
0: mm-hmm. waiting
1: to happen. So just is a disaster. That was like every like youth activist out there is like, are you freaking Screaming. kidding me? Screaming like we voted for you and you do this and fuck up our future on this planet. You've got to be kidding me. Like, yada, yada. One of the other issues that young people care a lot about Mm -hmm. is gun violence. And so the interesting thing here is then the very, the very next day, what is that? Like Christmas song? The very next day that he signed an executive order. order. (laughs) (laughs) That is now living rent-free in my head. Thank you very much. But regardless, tone-deaf additions aside, so I find the timing interesting yeah but i also find the lack of push out on it like if they're doing this in a little bit of like a well we we messed or we didn't mess up just like a pr like a yeah is that or we gave you that we didn't give you this so we'll give you this situation and if that's the case then where's the where's the
0: I, I, I'm sure it'll blow up in a few hours. I think we're just a little premature on it. But like mm-hmm. the one thing I will say is that I think it is very much a PR optics moment, especially towards yeah. young voters because of the Willow Project and the noise around that. Again, we talked about that yesterday on, the top, on Top Story. So go listen. It was a disappointing move by Biden. And so for him to now make this move, which is, again, we've talked about this like an executive order around gun control. We were like, just do it, even if it's symbolic, do it. And that's the thing about this is that it's also probably just going to be symbolic. And so it is such a PR move, especially in light of like him getting flack for the Willow Project. And now he's probably going to get sued for this executive order. So it's not even really probably going to be put into place, I would assume. Hopefully it does. But that's just kind of the way it cr- the cookie crumbles these days yeah. when executive orders. Mm-hmm. So more reason I'm believing it's just PR because it's not an actual big move.
1: Agreed, and I also think just two things. One, back to the ramp up period, is the fact that like if it weren't PR reactive, I think we would have been hearing about this for over the last week. Have yeah. not heard a rumble that's of so it. True. I cannot tell you how many newsletters I am subscribed to from a news <laughs> perspective and from an elected perspective, and I have not seen one thing about this. Yeah, that's
0: so true. Like it would if it was genuine and like something that was in the in the plan, yeah. then it wouldn't. It would have been ramped up, like Sam said, yeah. versus so, just like a weird, all of a sudden, this huge piece of legislation that people have been screaming for for so long is all of a sudden being dropped today and nobody knows about it. Fishy. 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 The second
1: thing I will also say, and I was thinking about this last night regarding the Willow Project, is I do find it to be such an odd move. And granted, like I am no scientist, I am no oil expert, I'm no energy expert. But if you put through all this legislation, some of the legislation that you are championing of saying largest climate package ever, electric vehicles, electric buses, like all of these things that have been included in the Inflation Reduction Act. And then, and I don't like, I don't know how many emissions that reduces per, you know, whatever that calculation is, right? But then you approve this project. And again, clarifying, I do not know the math that feels like to me you're canceling out all of the progress you made with yeah. this well
0: so that was like- one of the arguments in the in the article yesterday that someone made was like your like you and one of their arguments back was like oh we're going to plant a bunch of trees in national parks and it's going to absorb you know the carbon or whatever and then somebody was like that's just bullshit at this point like you're now reversing 30 years of pollution or like pollution reduction totally by doing this and yeah i think you're so right like it does all the other stuff it's like kind of making it null and void almost definitely go list or listen to yesterday's episode too the the article we did pull i, I will also say it was from ap news and it i think was really an unbiased take on the project and it kind of yeah. went over like all the implications and who supports it and who doesn't and there are there is a lot of support for it like even the Surrounding community in Alaska is supporting, is supportive of it. So it's a pretty unbiased take on, and also the article is linked in the episode description if you want to read it too. But just as an explainer of what this all means, for the most part, from the environmentalist standpoint, people aren't happy. So that's the biggest takeaway nonetheless interesting moves by biden interesting week for him honestly i feel like he is just playing games with us he's being a little fuck boy lately no he really has
1: because think about the dc law that he changed his opinion on he's kind of in his villain era
0: right now oh my god he is wait that's so wild he goes back and forth sometimes though like i mean that's what you get when you elect a moderate president, but. True, which I will, okay. On the
1: positive take of that is looking, having a president or a leader, not necessarily even like that role specifically, that is willing to take in information and evolve or change their viewpoint. I don't think that's a bad thing. However, obviously in this particular case with like the Willow Project is the best example, that is not a positive take in our opinion, in our policy values. But well, I think the other thing as a, is like as just as, as a of human standpoint,
0: him. right. And like what his real job is, his job is to be representative. And he made promises that were in line with those young people's values and what they need and what they want. And this is a major step back on those promises. And also to add what's interesting here is there are a lot of conservative environmentalists,
1: like Somehow like climate change isn't necessarily an only like liberal issue, especially in so many like Republican states out west. They are dealing with climate change like right at their faces, especially with drought and water issues. So there is an interesting intersection on environmental policy and being conservative. And some of these, I know that like oil seems to always be this like exception to the rule because of the oil lobbying and gas industry as well. But I don't know, just is such an interesting thing. And one more thing, importantly, I don't think that this project gets Biden any points with Republicans, like the standpoint of being like, well, you know what, like, true. I have to give them a little bit of something or something, whatever. The Republicans are still going to be out on a mic being like, gas prices, gas prices, gas prices. Gas could be five cents a freaking gallon, and they'd be still saying the same messaging on this. Like, what yeah. happened in what back room, who said what, and who promised what? Because,
0: yeah, it's one feels it's, odd. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like, knowing, too, what is what kind of powers and money are behind the oil industry and approving a project like this, it does make you worry that there is some type of promises made by Biden to to those people as well. And those are the people with the money, even though the majority of people, young people who he needs to respond to have the votes. So who are you going to pick? But we can get into, into our episode at this point. Those where I guess our Many top top stories of of the week. We just continued conversation around that. But again, go listen to top stories from yesterday and tune in for this interview coming right up.
1: So, we did tease this a little bit in top stories, but we have an awesome conversation this week with our friend Shiva, who is a school board member in Boise, Idaho. I also do know because he said it when we were chatting with him that I pronounce Boise
0: wrong. And I now I can't. What did he say? I think it's Boise. I've never, I don't even remember this part of the I think this
1: is like one of this, it was like right at the beginning. And I was like, oh my God, this is like me and Arugula. Like there is just, <laughs> there is no hope for me in this scenario. But nonetheless, in this conversation, we talk about, obviously, school board, him running for office. He's still in high school. I can't remember if I already just said that or not, and how he really stepped up to the plate. And so interesting that we're talking about the Willow Project in this intro, and also Top Stories, because he's also an environmental activist, and that's really how his journey started. But in the meantime, without further ado, here's Sheba. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
0: If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl in the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to
1: help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days tailored specifically to
0: the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral.
1: And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content.
0: And number three in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting. We are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice.
1: So head to girlandthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with Customize This and Personalize That, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally
0: couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. PROSE covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about,
1: you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf.
0: And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one in a million results. Since I switched to Pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using Pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back.
1: Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. pros.com slash girlandgov. All right, let's get into it. You are... Doing more than one thing. You're not just a high school senior, you're also on the Boise school board. Can you tell us a little bit about how this happened and what it's like to also straddle both of those things?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was, I I led a clean energy commitment and long-term sustainability plan campaign for our school district, trying to get clean energy in schools and, and get our school district on the road towards climate action. And, you know, I was bringing in students from all over the district, you know, we were writing postcards to trustees, we were sending emails, organizing community events, and it just kind of felt like the engagement wasn't there as if. Like we weren't real stakeholders of our school board, which is frustrating because like students are the primary stakeholders in their education. We are like, if there was one constituent, this school board should (laughs) listen to, it it would be the students, right? And so, you know, we were working with with students across the country where they've already done this kind of campaign, like Miami Beach, Salt Lake City, Carson City. And one thing we noticed in all of those school districts is that they had a student on the school board and i was like well maybe that's the key to climate action maybe that's the key to a lot of the issues that that we're seeing in, in schools around the country and so kind of after we did ultimately pass this collective commitment on clean energy which is kind of set into motion this process to establish a climate action roadmap but you know it's it's not as 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 quick as i would like and after that i i started looking into the like school board election process. Yeah. And I found out you have to be 18, unfortunately, in our district. And I looked at the election date and it's September 6th and my birthday is August 30th. And so <laughs> I was like, well, I'm going to run for the school board and see what we can do for establishing like a student position on the board. So I got my friends together and, and yeah, we like led an all student campaign raise like over $10,000. And now here I am like what? Wow. Almost, almost a year later.
0: That's um, incredible. Yeah. So cool. I, I, Don't even know what I was doing at your age, except for probably just (laughs) stupid shit. But it's it's really really cool that you made that jump. It's I'm sure not easy. It literally sounds like too like a promise for like a Netflix show, just like gathering all your friends, (laughs) like like running for office. Mm -hmm. We'll need to call up the the Netflix execs and get you. Normalize it though. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But tell us a little bit more about this race and this campaign. Like who are you running against? What was at stake? Like run us through what is what what it was like campaigning for this.
2: Yeah, so typically school board races in, in our district are for six-year terms. But because of COVID and actually this real big rise in extremism that we've seen in Idaho and in our district, a lot of our like board members basically re- had had resigned. And so I was running for a two-year term to fill out the former trustees. So she'd done four years. And then I was I was running to do the next two years of her six-year term. And I was running against a guy named Steve Schmidt. Really great guy, pretty conservative dude, who who had been appointed by the board after the former trustee resigned. And I mean, what was at stake? I think really like the status quo was at stake, right? And and I think that was really clear when when you know when the lines were kind of drawn as far as how the election went. You know, our our, our teachers' union, which I love and support, was really slow to to come around on the idea of, of student representation, and they ended up endorsing. My opponent, it was really difficult to get a lot of legislators to endorse me. But, you know, towards the end, as as we started knocking on thousands of doors and, and raising tons of money and really getting people excited about this campaign, I think I think that's really when we saw the paradigm shift. It was even before the election What people started realizing, like, what if we had a student on the school board? Like, what would that look like? About halfway through my campaign over the summer, my opponent was endorsed by a group called the Idaho Liberty Dogs which is this kind of like far right militia group with most most of its members don't actually live in in Boise but they've really been kind of like terrorizing our community with this like far right extremism for the last several years. I remember when I first got involved in climate activism which is how I really got involved in and politics in general, this group used to bring like AR-15s to our like climate protests. And, and oh it was like scary. And they were like all friends right. with cops. It was it was like really yeah. terrifying. And there. we were like ninth graders. And so, and, and then like later, like last year, my, my junior year high school, there was a kid who brought a gun to my school mm. and he was suspended and, and he was like barred from walking at graduation. But then the Idaho Liberty Dogs showed out again and, and tried to organize a protest at our school with guns. Oh and it was just gosh. like, wow, like the threat of extremism that we like read right. about all the time. And I guess like the rest of the country reads about for Idaho, like it's super real here. And and so when this group endorsed my opponent, and then he really made a point of refusing to disavow the endorsement, I think it kind of was a warning bell as far as this lack of understanding of the threat that extremism poses to our schools. Like right mm-hmm. here in Idaho, um, like this is. Where they're trying to get rid of public education as, as a whole. There's a group called the Idaho Freedom Foundation, which whose like stated purpose is to abolish public education, abolish government schools, as they they like to call it. And, and so, you know, groups like these pose a real threat to our school district. And I, that was something that, you know, when he refused to disavow this endorsement, you know, it was like, wow, this is this is real. This is a real threat to, to our school yeah. district. Oh but it was gosh. also helpful in me getting endorsements and stuff. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that is yeah. wild just some of the behavior. I think you're just so on the money of like we see all these headlines all the time. And both Maddie and I are in total like blue bubbles. And while we definitely see extremism, it's not at the level that I think you guys in Idaho are just dis- are experiencing, especially even at, you know, the high school level. I mean, that's just crazy. Like someone's like, oh yeah, some kid got suspended. Let me just bring some guns to protest this outside of school. Like just yeah. stuff. I I have a hard time wrapping my head around being real and you know, it's real and you see the pictures and you see the experience. It's just wild to me. But I think where I'm um, you know, going with this too is, you know, you said that you had to be 18 to run for this position. And in the campaign, you know, you're trying to, obviously you're knocking on doors, you're trying to get votes, you're trying to get endorsements, having conversations. But I imagine that a lot of the people that were in support of your campaign were also other high school students. And I'm curious, like how much of the district of, you know, high school seniors are 18 and whether like even, you know, the cutoff for, you know, enrollment in that age, like, did that help you? Did that hurt you? You know, what does that kind of look like?
2: Uh, that's a great question. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like, no, most most students are not 18 by September 6th of, of yeah. their senior year. But there were a good number who were. And I think they all really turned out. What was powerful, I think, about having this student-led campaign was when we were knocking on doors and when we were talking to older constituents, including college students and folks who had just graduated, but also just like like older people, I think when they saw students wanting a say in their education in in their schools i think that was really exciting for a lot of our community and so you know you only have one vote but i think what's powerful about youth organizing is you have you really you know once you start organizing you have thousands of votes it's as many votes as you can as you can knock on doors and i think our campaign really capitalized on that by really mobilizing my friends and and high school students to go you know, yeah. get out the vote.
1: We also, to that point, though, did you have also the experience of people like in your grade that were at eighteen, but then would talk to their parents and essentially lobby their parents for you know them to vote for you? Was that a strategy yeah. that came into place?
2: A lot of that. It was really funny. I knocked on, I knocked on someone's door, and and they came to. The door, they were like. Oh, yeah, I was not about to vote for you, but then my thirteen year old was so excited about your race. Oh I, I voted, I, I already voted because was he he had voted absentee, but I was like, wow, that's super cool that and and really, that's that was the goal of of my campaign. And I think my trusteeship is empowering students to recognize that we should have a say in our education and that like we should be involved, you know, in all areas of government, but particularly in the governance of our schools and so when there's seventh graders who are that engaged i think that speaks volumes about what happens when you know how how contagious empowerment is like what happens when you give one student that kind of voice
0: that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, I it was just pretty like, awesome. love it. Um, all of it. The seventh graders and beyond getting involved. It's so cool. Well, what were some of the issues that you were running on? And what are some of the issues that you really do work on at the school board level? You know,
2: that's a great question. Cause there is often a contrast between what you run on and what you end up working on. You're right. Um, <laughs> I, so I ran on three priorities, mental health. I think we know as young people, like we have a mental health crisis in this country, in our schools, and that needs to be addressed. Be it increasing counseling resources, be it a system-wide approach to mental health and building resilience in, in all of our communities and in our schools and teaching those skills to students, we need to address mental health. Kids cannot keep dying in our schools. Number two is climate action. I think, you know, me as known as a climate activist in my community, I think we really my election was almost like a referendum on sustainability in schools, which has become kind of a major issue in the wake of our clean energy campaign. And I, I think it it shows that people generally agree that like, hey, climate change should be taught in schools and schools should be leaders in the yeah. fight against climate change, right? This, th- this sense of like place-based learning and schools as cornerstone institutions in leading the way to a, a fossil-free future. And, and that was something that I... I was like super excited to talk about And then finally, combating extremism. Regardless of my opponent and and the Idaho Liberty Dogs, you know, in Idaho, for the last few years, we've seen attacks on public school teachers for quote-unquote indoctrination. We've seen attacks on what can be taught, be it about race and American history or about social-emotional learning. We've seen book bans and attacks on, on trans youth. And I think that... It is the job of trustees and school leaders to stand up and say, "Hey, that is not okay." And that's something that we have to be bold about. You know, we have to confront that kind of extremism wherever it exists because it really is a threat to 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 public schools. And and so those are kind of the three things. And and I, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm a single issue board member, but I have continued to work on on all of those things. I was just at the the Green Schools Conference in New Orleans talking about what's in the Inflation Reduction Act and bipartisan infrastructure law for schools. Turns out there's a whole lot. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, we can
2: get several free electric buses to pilot in our school district. Solar panels are 40% off from rebates from the federal government. Same with installation and efficiency improvements. There's a lot in there. And then I also just earlier today had a meeting with our our mental health support team talking about as we go into this budgeting process, what kind of resources they need. And what's super close tomorrow they're actually presenting to all of our schools, all of our, our building principals about this, this program that that we're that we're implementing that's kind of the system-wide approach to mental health. So super exciting stuff there. Yeah. And the extremism has continued to come up with this legislative session. And so I'm glad we have such a strong team of trustees in our school district that were elected back yeah. in September to to stand strong in support of our schools.
1: Yeah. And also too, like what happens in school board meetings? Are they public? Are they private? Is it sort of the band of crazies that only show up? What's that look like?
2: That's a really good question. So school board meetings are public, as are all government meetings of, of elected officials. They you know, typically are actually super accessible' They're in the evenings on on like a weekday. And every school district kind of runs them differently. In, in our school district, we have student councils come and report. We typically have an elementary school come and, lead the pledge of allegiance and then you know we it's often a lot of presentations about kind of what's going on with the status of our schools as we get into the budgeting season which is really the purpose of, of a school board is to appropriate the budget and write policy for the district we get more and more of those presentations more and more conversations about kind of what is school going to look like for the next fiscal year and this long term strategic plan but they are i think they're pretty sparsely attended typically on, unless we have Big issues. We have a dress code issue actually coming up, which I'm super excited that that we're going to be addressing. Kind of this idea of equity in, in our dress code, um, but yeah, that'll probably see a, a good number of folks turn out. So it just kind of depends.
0: Yeah, issue based. That makes sense. Well, getting into our "I have a stupid question" segment, we're gonna really. I run love it back that segment. That awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna really run it back here and define really what is a school board. Can you can you explain this this function of government for us?
2: Yes, school boards are uh, elected officials. Typically, it's five or seven folks who are elected to oversee the budget policy and strategic planning of a school district. And that can be like a a single school school district or it can be a school district like ours of twenty six thousand students and fifty two schools. It kind of depends on on your area.
1: That is a lot of schools. That's a lot of humans. My goodness. What do you guys typically handle? Do you guys handle what's taught in schools? You guys, I know you mentioned just dress code a moment ago. What if there's like sort of like the short list of issues you guys not only tackle, but you're charged with, you know, making sure they function? What are those
2: so really, a lot of the stuff comes from the staff. And so the school board actually only has one employee who they can hire and fire, and that is the superintendent. And the superintendent really sets the agenda, especially in regards to curriculum. And in our district, we're lucky to have a ton of curriculum experts who who mostly write curriculum because school boards are are just kind of parents and and I guess in our in our case, a student who oversee those kind of operations. but really yeah, we we have a big hand in policies such as dress codes, you know, even in small policies, like how many drinking fountains we're going to have in, in like a hallway, That that is something that a school board can address. Really, it's this oversight mechanism for our school district, sure, making sure that our school district is using taxpayer funds properly, making sure that we're educating equitably and we're meeting the standard of state law. And then also really Kind of this outward-facing look, as as far as like advocating for our school district and and advocating for public education as a whole.
1: Mm-hmm. Wait, also, what does a superintendent do?
2: <laughs> the superintendent is like the president of a school, or like a mayor of a school district. Actually, is, okay. is kind of a better analogy. If the I mayor am- were elected by the city council.
0: I remember always like hearing the superintendent was on campus, being like so freaked out, we're like oh, my god to come into our classroom
2: oh yeah they're scary they're scary <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> literally. wait have you guys seen there's
1: like this whole like sub niche on tiktok i don't know why it's on our for you page like i <laughs> can't get off of it but it's kind of funny and it's literally like someone pretending they're either like the substitute teacher the superintendent the principal they've got like the whole thing of like keys that they can't find and they're like I, I checking in on classrooms. And, they,
2: and they're like and they got the walkie-talkie and they're walking yeah the
0: there's like so many characters that yeah you can you can remember from school it's just triggering bringing us back but- that
2: perfectly matches though my my elementary school teacher or my yeah. elementary school principal she walked in the hall with a walkie-talkie and- yeah like <laughs> yeah. And for keys jangling. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's why the it's key like- key jangle, oh my God. We're really oh living in God. a simulation, <laughs> just everyone, same memories. Well, question two about a little bit like the power structure on a school board. Like, is there someone who kind of like manages or leads the school board, like kind of like a mayor of a city council situation? Like, how's that set up usually?
2: Yeah, so we elect every two years, we elect a chair and a, and a vice chair of of our school board in kind of the same way that like, the Senate elects their pro tem and, mm-hmm. you know, the House elects their speaker, that kind of thing. And they really, they set basically this, this, the agenda for our school meetings. And so they meet with our superintendent pretty regularly to kind of establish what are we going to be voting on? What are we looking at in each of the committees? Oh, and, and I forgot to mention, yeah, there's committees too. In our district, mm-hmm. there are, I think, five of them that address specific issues. So among governance, mm-hmm. which addresses policy and facilities which kind of looks at you know new school buildings and kind of what needs to be repaired, that kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Wait, question about committees, because we've talked about this at the congressional level and like the drama that goes on with committees, like kind of like the who's who situation, like you can sit with us where you can't. What is the deal with getting on a committee at school board? Is there a process? Do people fight over it? What's the deal?
2: Well, you, I mean, you just ask your... So the the chair and vice chair said that. And then you just kind of ask them for like the committees you want, but they ultimately have like the final say on who's on what committees. And and I guess they could pull you off a committee too, because they're not really like official roles. Really, I mean, the only thing that a school a school board member can do kind of on their own is vote, stain on policy matters and sit on the dais. You can't even talk at meetings without the, the permission of a chair. So it's just like that Robert's rule system.
1: Oh God, Mm -hmm. I would fail miserably.
0: Permission to speak, (laughs) you guys, I'd be (laughs) dead. Yeah. Smitha wouldn't be tamed by a talking stick (laughs) even. So this conversation around school board is really interesting and one that like we actually have very often from even just in our little fast five segment, you'll see in a little while we ask like what the most underrated elected position is, or even just when people are talking about like, how can you get involved in your community and help, you know, some of these bigger issues, people always point to the school board. Like, can you kind of explain like your thoughts on why the school board is so important to kind of just the broader conversation around politics, especially today in our democracy and even at the federal level, people always point like down ballot and school board is always one we hear people point to as far as just like a really, really important role. Like, can you kind of explain your thoughts on that and why you think it's it's such an impactful, I guess, level of government to look to?
2: Yeah, I mean, school board in many communities is really the most direct form of government that you have. It's it's the government that's closest to the people because it's it's the smallest kind of it's this kind, of, it's the smallest district that that people live in often. I would say that the reason school boards are really important is because the vast majority of our state budgets go towards education. And when that's appropriated by the legislature, it's kind of just appropriated by district. And in those districts, school board members have to decide how you know where that money goes. And so I mean, I I personally think that education is like the the most important thing that our government does it's I think it's more important than roads it's more important than the military it is the most important thing that happens by American governments in this country and so I think that this new newfound focus on school boards has kind of arisen from kind of a bad place which has been like this far right
0: yeah extremism, the extremism.
2: yeah I think that's actually really great because it's brought more people's attention to to what's going on in our public schools. And I think when people are engaged in local government, when people are engaged in democracy, that's when democracy works. And so I, I think that like the engagement that we're seeing around school boards is honestly like a, a good sign for for democracy.
1: A silver lining. Yeah. I was gonna say it's kind of a funny thing that we, we we're actually chatting about this on a panel recently about sort of like, should there be a return to like quote unquote boring politics or is the, you know, current status quo, is that actually more helpful? And we were very much on the side of well, maybe obviously, you know, let's get rid of some of this extremism. But the fact that some of this politics now is finally noisy, people are now aware of it. Mm-hmm. And the more aware people are, the more they can get engaged and are getting engaged, as opposed to sort of seeing like democracy die in darkness, not to quote the Washington Post, like <laughs> literal, like thing. <laughs> but like, okay. oh my God, no, I know. Guys, the PRDs really have that ingrained in my head. <laughs> of just. It's just there. But regardless, it's one of those weird silver lining moments that I think really started with the Trump administration and being like, oh my God, how could this be real? And it's again, to bring it back to TikTok, that sound that's literally like, your government wouldn't, or you wouldn't think like your government would. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, they would. No, it's a
0: double edged sword for sure. It's like, totally. There has been this really amazing increase in engagement, but it's at the cost of some really terrible. Yeah policies and people that are existing in our government. So it's a lot, but nonetheless. I think that's why
2: why that representation piece is so important too. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if we as a collective say we don't want public schools to exist anymore, then they shouldn't exist. Like that's how how democracy works, right? Right. right. But that leaves out the voices of, you know, people who are under 18, people who Mm -hmm. are, felons or or ex-cons a lot of disabled folks and like the 40 percent of our country that doesn't vote too yeah and so i think really if we when we see more engagement in politics and when we see especially younger folks be represented and be included in that conversation that's when that kind of democratic system will, will be strengthened and and i think that's like what really excites me about school boards is it's like that is like like around the country i think even more than like parents are engaging. I think students are really engaging in in oh, yeah. school boards and in decision-making in their schools. And mm-hmm. that is like really powerful,
0: really powerful. And again, like, unfortunately, I feel like it's at the cost of some really terrible things that I think especially young people are dealing with from the, you know, future, our future and climate change to gun violence. It's, it's all making people really have to pay attention. Um, which again is just major double-edged sword at the end of the day, but yeah, true. hopefully we can make some change from all the attention pointed that way. So, and speaking of that, really, how can students get involved with the school board if they're not like actually, you know, running like you or involved in that way? What are some of the things that I guess you can point students to, as far as how they can get involved and have their voice heard at that level?
2: Well, first of all, like highly recommend running for your school board if you can. Mm-hmm. And if not, you know, working to establish a student position on your school board, if you don't already have one. School boards take public comment. Many of them, you know, take it at every meeting and, and you can, if you have something you want to fix at your school, like that's totally an, a venue for you to, to talk about that. I think also like one of the things that is kind of funny is like people don't like people sometimes don't think that their elected officials are people. And so You know, sometimes there's a lot of stuff on like Twitter or people are posting on Instagram about, you know, this thing that they wish was fixed, but then they haven't like actually emailed that elected official who I think like probably would want to fix it too. And when you do email your elected officials, they respond. And so I think like emailing your school board is like super underrated. And I I think also like the power of student councils and even that that hyper local kind of government structure, right? That's, I think that's a power that's kind of not flexed enough is like, people think that student councils are just for like planning dances and like, and and, like getting like high, like student sections. And that's totally true. (laughs) But like, also student councils are supposed to represent everybody and, and, you know, really create a venue for creating change in their school community and they can pass resolutions. They can, they present often at, at school board meetings. And so I think getting involved in your student council or, or engaging with your student council are powerful ways to create change in your school. But yeah, it's, I mean, I think if, if there's not res- representation, it's, it can be hard. Like, especially yeah. if you have a, a school board that's not as engaged or isn't, isn't into student voice, then it's yeah. like, well, what do you do? And then you kind of have to organize like a, a typical, like, high pressure campaign, which can be fun. Right. But it, it is a slow process.
0: No, that's such good advice too. And the student council piece is so interesting, one that I would never have thought of. But even like, you know, going into the he- or the hearings, <laughs> the, the meetings and voicing there, especially if you are not young enough to run or you're not young or sorry you're not old enough to run or or if you're not young enough to run i'm you're not old maybe that
2: should be a thing though maybe there should be like a little cap for school board races like
0: yeah specifically for (laughs) school board you can run if you're 16 or something when you get your license question question
1: about that though yeah also license although some people should like also not drive that's a whole other (laughs) kind of worms but is there a requirement for you to have kids in the in the school system for you to be on school board no there's not wait, that's wild because I feel like that's whack too. If you like literally don't have kids in the school system or haven't in over,
0: I don't know, let's put it at like over five years. Yeah. I mean, I see both sides too. If you're invested in education and especially there's things like, yeah. And there's things like, you know, solar panels and all of that. I see, I see both sides, but yeah, I think for the most part, it should be people who are in some way connected to the school system, but at least, you know, to have it be really representative at the end of the day. But I think, yeah.
2: I think that's the perspectives that matter. And so mm-hmm. the more diversity you can get on a school board, be it, you know, grandparents, be it like, you know, parents or and, and students especially, but kind of people from all walks of life, I think they can add valuable insight into the conversations that they're having on the dais. I think, you know, beyond just setting policy, I mean, there's also the outward facing role of a school board, which is advocating for. The school district advocating for public education. And that's something that, you know, well-connected older people can do a great job of too. So
1: that's true. I think it's it's like, like, they also have like a role to play and a perspective yeah. where it's also like, well, when my kids were in the school district or my kids or my grandkids, like mm-hmm. they have a different perspective too. So I think that's fair. I just think it's just interesting too. Sometimes when there's people that have absolutely seemingly like no stake in it or like, yeah, oh, this is my thing. This is my
0: issue. Like I'm That's sure there are some people on school boards across country who are just there for the little little bit of a power grab, but oh interesting totally. to yeah. think about.
2: But that is what blows my mind sometimes about the like the crazies who come to school board meetings, often not not like really our meetings, but some of the other meetings in Idaho. Like you talk to them, they like haven't been in school since like the calculator was embedded. They don't have <laughs> any kids in their school. They don't even yeah. know like the Pledge of Allegiance, and they're coming in and telling you that like. Trans kids are are like yeah, raping the someone wars. at their school. It's like, how would you like? How would you even? How do you even know where the school is?
0: <laughs> That's so true. That yeah, especially these days with all the rhetoric going around, there's people yeah. just showing up to, you know, push yeah. those narratives, it's like We're the litter so box scenario or whatever.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, where the, it was <laughs> like in Colorado, my brother came home one day and he was like, "Shiva, there's litter boxes in the North Junior High." Like. Bathrooms because we have that many furries. I was like, you know, you can go into the bathroom and see that there is not a litter box. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, that was going around it's
2: when done. I was like in eighth grade.
1: <laughs> so it's, wild. Like, I feel like, what are they, like, I'm trying to think of like another like urban myth. Like, obviously, that one's gotten political and like blown out of proportion. Crazy. But like, it's one of those you're like, no shit. Like, if that were actually happening, also, not only could you check, you'd be like snapping it everywhere. It would be on everyone's be real. You'd be like, oh. Yeah,
2: like, for real. Like, I'm a yeah. litter box right now. Yeah. Like, pull up. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: yeah, like dead. the number one
2: hangout spot. <laughs> yeah.
0: People are fucking crazy, first of all. That's oh, yeah. yeah the lesson That's, of today, yeah. honestly, more than anything. But curious, too, you have not even beyond this, you know, school board run, you have been very active In activism. Can you kind of give a little bit of a highlight as to how young people can also get started in in their own activism, especially at these young ages? Like, where do you even start?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, climate activism started with climate education, you know, learning about climate change in seventh grade. And that's why I'm so passionate, I think, about education too, is because it's like a lot of folks in Idaho is not part of our state K-12 science standards. And so like a lot of folks aren't even learning about climate, climate change. Mm -hmm. And how are you supposed to like tackle that issue if you haven't learned about it? But really for me, it's like, what are your passions? What are you like, what are your abilities? I think what's really beautiful about a lot of like progressive activism spaces is that there's room for literally like everybody. So like when I think about climate activism, I think you often think of like, you know, Vanessa Nakate standing up there like speaking or like marching. And, and that's like one form of climate activism. But there's also like art murals and and like mm-hmm. like Banksy. I would say Banksy is a climate activist, like, you know, yeah, whoever they are, totally. like painting stuff. Like that's climate activism too. There's room for art. We need mm-hmm. scientists, engineers. We need writers. We really need like everybody. And so I think it's like one, what are you good at? Like, what what do yeah. you want to do? And then two, like, what are you passionate about? Like what, what concerns you in your community? And I think what's really powerful about our generation, or at least, you know, you guys are my generation too, right?
1: We're Semi. seeping over. Semi. I am. Okay. Okay.
2: okay. Killing it. Well, <laughs> what's, what's really passionate about, you know, youth organizing, I think is what powerful about youth organizing is this like kind of idea of collective action, like more than me recycling one can what does it look like when when I bring 50 people in my school together and we ask for solar panels on our schools you know how much more of a difference can we make when we all work together you know the the sum is greater than its parts and so I think how can you engage your friends what are things that you know your community needs and and, and that that you can really make a difference in and, and one of the things I think too that can kind of be lost like you were talking about in the, like culture work stuff is like Often, I think people have this like kind of weird idea of what needs to be done or, or like what can be done because like national politics sometimes can be like so hopeful or so what is it? Helpless. Helpless. Yeah. Un- unhelpful. But I think like organizing on a local level is like really where you you make the the difference. And so I think it really starts small and then kind of snowballs and there's like just so many so many things you can do. And, and there's so many folks out there who can help be it financially, yeah. be it, you know, providing experience and, and insight. So I think it's like really just like, just do it, you know?
0: Yeah. I love that advice. And that's something we always say as well of you don't have to go, you know, protest and get arrested or phone bank or do like these kind of classic type of organizing tactics. Like, uh, like you, you said, can start like a podcast. You can start a podcast. You can paint a mural. <laughs> I love that advice. I think that's so important to like show people that it's not this big scary thing. It can be whatever you know you want to make it. So super great advice. And I also love the start small advice as well, especially at the local level, because that's also where you can see your impact like almost right away. And I think that can only- That's the only, only- place you can
2: have an impact, I think.
0: Yeah. I don't believe well, like- I don't
2: believe in this national action stuff. Everything happens at the local level.
0: Ooh, hot take. Spicy. There it, <laughs> there it is. But it's true. I mean, and if you're just starting off your activism and you're at the local level and then you see something get implemented that you just worked on, like how inspiring is that to keep going? So I think that's such a good- yeah piece of advice
2: yeah and i think also taking care of yourself and remembering that like
0: yes it's
2: not on you to like solve all the
1: problems
0: that's so true
1: yeah so it's just take like, care of your mental ugh.
0: health in the meantime yeah, yeah.
1: smart like detail say. smart detail advice i've never taken but my maybe today <laughs> anyways moving right along in terms of just sort of like next steps also for young people in also what seems to be like kind of an uphill battle against an establishment or just general like government that doesn't seem to prioritize young people. Like, what are your thoughts on that? What's your advice?
2: Well, fuck that, burn it down. That's what I say. <laughs> I think like we all hold the power to like, to, to take the reins. And I think the power in younger generations is, is so underutilized right now. Like, I think really, and I think we've seen this recently with some of the attacks that we've seen from, I think, especially the right, on voting rights and on youth access to the ballot or youth access to to government is like people are realizing that like change is coming and and there's like really no stopping it. And once that starts going, it's 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 already snowballing, right? And so, yeah, like right now, I think it's really frustrating sometimes when, you know, we have people like in, in the Idaho legislature banning students who are under 18 from testifying, or you know, restricting the use of student IDs to vote.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say we just talked about that the other the other day, the student ID thing in Idaho. Yeah,
2: yeah, and we're actually about to file a lawsuit. I think if Good. the government, <laughs> the governor is expected to sign that pretty soon. I think next week, and we got a lawsuit written up already. But but I think when we organize and when we like stay grounded in the fact that like we are gonna win because everyone else is just gonna die.
1: Like, (laughs) true. I
2: think it really paints like a hopeful picture of like, what would the world look like if we had our, if we had our way and we had our say?
0: Yeah. And it will one day for sure. But it definitely takes people continuing to push. We don't have Medicare for all, so it'll happen sooner than we are. Exactly. (laughs) They're just harming themselves. (laughs) I know. But yeah, the powers that be really, I think they, they see the threat of the, you know, progression that is coming. And I think we feel that in the moment, but I think if anything, it should be more of a driver for people to keep going, but amazing conversation. So informative, a topic we've been wanting to cover for so long. Cause like I said, we feel like we talk about school board all the time, but haven't really taken the time to like define it and go through what it really means. So thank you for coming on and what an amazing person to do it. Are you the youngest school board member in the country?
2: No, no, No? definitely not. There's, uh-huh. I mean, there's like places where there's well, like 16 probably like a few
0: there. months younger. Oh, oh a, really? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And the, but we I, the, maybe they're right. not. Ele- I was elected at large. Like a lot of districts have student positions.
0: Oh, so, I see. Okay, but elected at large. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's the this answer, kid in
2: Portland, whatever. Danny Gage yeah, By a Don't few check months.
0: Him out. He's probably by he a few months. He's younger. Like
2: he just turned 18 like a couple months ago, and he's he's running. His elections up in May for the Multnomah Service District. He's there we
0: go, super... but you're there's still. i okay, the, 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 <laughs> yeah. the elected one. There you go. So now, I think you're the youngest. <laughs> We're gonna at least just claim that here, and if not, there's mm. maybe somebody like a few months younger than you. Regardless, it's impressive to say the absolute least. Thank you so much Thank for you. coming on. Where can people find you? Plug everything.
2: My at on Instagram is Shiva underscore Rajvandari. If you don't know how to spell that, sorry. We can um, type it in then, the episode. Yeah, we'll type it. Don't worry. And then Twitter. Twitter's is kind of more for like older people, but it's like <laughs> at Shiva exactly. underscore R underscore, I think. Yeah. Like just hit well, me you're up. you're officially I'm, a politician.
0: Like... So you need a Twitter apparently. <laughs> I,
2: know, I have like a lot of Twitter followers too. Like
1: <laughs> we yeah, literally no, gave like, up me on me Twitter so long ago. Like literally we, I think we tried it for, I don't know, did we have it for a month and then we forgot about it
0: and then yeah, we were like, was,
1: we're funny, okay. but we're not funny. We're not Twitter funny. And we're no, both Twitter's just like hard. scared.
0: Yeah, Twitter we're like, like can't, Twitter's like, can't handle and the heat. You make heat.
2: one typo, we like, and you yeah. see it for the rest
0: of your life. Yeah, <laughs> no, we really, yeah, but we no. can't handle the heat on Twitter. So we're like, we're just you can't handle next though. Oh, we're not, not on Facebook either. For yeah, my so. campaign,
2: we did Facebook. <laughs> I was so glad I had a campaign manager because I could not have done it without her. <laughs> she was twenty-one, <laughs> by the way, which was dope.
0: Oh my gosh, horrible. that love. is amazing. Love, yeah, Facebook because
2: love. I feel like it's for Facebook sales.
1: Mm, yeah, I maybe like studying like older relatives or something like that. <laughs> it's like such a. I feel like it's like the classic like random uncle aunt platform. Oh yeah,
2: oh yeah, and they wish you happy birthday like once a day or once a year and like post it on your. Yeah, that's what I hate is they post it. It like when they post something, it goes on your profile, so it looks like like you posted it.
0: True it does not
2: make sense to me. I'm like, I deleted it. Why would I add you as a friend if you're like?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, that literally... was like our Instagram probably for you. Yeah. Like that was, yeah, I, I was on it oh, in I'm middle sorry, school. Guys and, and I off. had to delete it because I'm like who knows what the hell I was saying and doing and looking like <laughs> back then so it's just going to be scrapped from the internet at this point no literally because yes.
1: we had like there was like this thing where it was like video posts like you would post on each other's
0: <laughs> walls <laughs> Yes.
1: and I like when I went to delete it I was trying to scroll by I was like what were we up to like what was what was the episode no, like you and can't it was,
0: weird, weird weird music videos oh, like oh I mean, yeah, the worst that. it was like also like yeah. photo booths like that was a thing yep. then it I just... would go to the Apple oh, store no. and spend like hours with my friends on the photo booths in the macbook Mm -hmm. photo booth app we would just take pictures in the apple store it was insane oh my god yeah (laughs) yeah we just back when things were simple yeah so simple (laughs) like i can't thank you so much for coming on (laughs)